welcome. It's been a while. A uh, couple of things have happened that have kept us out of the out of the game for a little bit, but I'm glad to welcome back onto the podcast Lex, who uh, life has not been too kind to you lately. You had a pretty bad, what was it, like a sinus infection? Bacteria and sinus infection. And I still made you do podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Just on our Patreon feed. But uh, this this dude, uh, no, you, you were a little under the weather. Didn't want to, you know, bring you out before you were ready. And then also returning the boy, the one and only Deuce Rollins in his Lions Only hat. What's going on? What's up? What's up? We're back. We're back. And we're back. <laughs> uh, we should we should have you do like those radio intro style like sound bites for us. It'd be it'd probably be better than any version of me doing an intro. Yeah, man. You read the script. I'll you read the script. I'll record it. All right, and uh, so yeah, it's been a while. A lot's happened in the. Uh, in the in our absence and we're not going to get to everything we're just going to go right into this weekend uh we have a pretty i would say for me this is one of the fights that has been super intriguing coming up like you know since it's been announced there have been good fights you know that have happened over the past few weeks a uh, few months but i really like this fight even if maybe it doesn't have the name brand recognition and all that stuff but that's mark maxio defending gary russell jr's featherweight title against Ray Vargas. Ray Vargas uh famously Deuce, do you know why Ray like or like I should say how did Ray Vargas break his legs or leg or ankle whatever it was? Uh I heard it was a motorcycle accident but I don't necessarily know if that's true. Um, I mean it's uh, But that that's the story I heard. Yeah, well or a, or a car accident I, was, I it might not have been a motorcycle I might have made that up but I believe it was some sort of automobile accident. Because Vargas was out of the ring for a long time, came back on an undercard. I believe it was the Canelo plant undercard. Uh, I, I thought he looked okay in that fight. And Max Iyot looked okay uh, against Gary Russell Jr. But now these guys are fighting for the featherweight title. Um, I might have said 122 earlier, uh, but I meant 126, the featherweight title. So am, the betting line is really even. So like, let me ask you guys this. Lex, we'll start with you. Do you see this as an even fight? I think it's a fight where there's not a lot of um a lot understood about either fighter. And so like the evenness just represents the 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 mystery and intrigue of the fight. Um I think uh Vargas could end up outboxing him. I think uh Maxile could knock him out. I'm picking Maxile by the way. Um he's staking his claim immediately yeah I, I like to i like to go on wax i like to go on wax i'm picking max Sile, but um but yeah i just think it's i just think it's a good fight where no one really knows too much about either guy see lex just made a huge mistake in the world of podcasting at least for us because he's gonna be wrong in his prediction most likely now i i, I want max Sile to win we'll get into why later but lex is gonna wind up being wrong as fate is just gonna have it <laughs> and then someone's going to leave a, a review saying that Lex, but really just say we, but even though he means Lex, don't know what they're talking about because he had one bad pick. It's probably what's going to happen. But uh, what about you, Deuce? Um, do you agree with Lex? Um, As far as who's going to win? Yeah. 
Um, no, I, I think that Vargas is going to win. But um, I can see, I guess I agree with his overall reasoning as to why um, the odds are close. There's a lot of um, unknowns on both sides. Um, Vargas only recently came back. Also, only recently moved up in weight. Um, and obviously, Mike Sayo, we've seen him. Even before the Gary Russell fight for where he won the title, um, which was like a super uneven performance, I guess you would say. Um, his fight before that was, uh, who was it against Oscar Escandon, I think. And uh, that was like a back and forth fight that like he ended up winning by knockout, but was like a wildly um, entertaining. Oh, say how was that who it was? Yeah. Yeah. Um, who, who got just like absolutely slept. Yeah, 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 but, but that, that knockout was so brutal. Yeah, no kidding. Um, which which is part of Max Iowa's appeal, but also like he was kind of losing that fight, or at least it was like even. I think he might have got dropped too. Um, and so I don't know, there's a lot of limitations to Max Iowa's game that are like very evident. Um, and so it's kind of whose flaws do you read more into or whose known um unknowns do you read more into so i definitely could see why the line would be close but um yeah me personally um i think vargas has handled important fights very well in his career um i think it's kind of like it's been a long time since he was on that championship run. But if you go back to those fights, it's not necessarily that he looked impressive in very many of them, but he managed, like managed them well, uh, found a way to win and like had a lot of poise with like going the distance and finding a way to win basically. I mean, he made some of the fights kind of ugly, but um, yeah. So I I feel like statement. Well, yeah, but I guess I, my point is just that, like, if anything, Mike Sayo kind of almost found a way to lose a fight that he should have won <laughs> against, that he should have won easily against Gary Russell. And whereas Vargas has kind of done the opposite, he found a way to win, um, even in fights that he wasn't particularly impressive in. Um, and, or, um, yeah, so I kind of see that as I just have a little bit more faith. And plus, uh, I actually kind of like the way that um Vargas boxed that fight he came back in um I thought he got a little like stale towards the end of it just because um it was kind of the same thing every round um as far as it would have been nice if he could have stopped him because there wasn't really much uh that was changing about the fight as it went but I thought he boxed well um he was a little more aggressive um a little bit cleaner punching from the outside than the last time I'd seen him so um, yeah, I, I like Vargas um, to win a decision, um, but I think it would be an interesting fight because I do think that like Max Io definitely could hurt him at different points in the fight, which would create drama. But I don't know. Uh, it, it's I see it as like I see oh I, it's fifty fifty going in, but that doesn't necessarily mean that like the outcomes fifty will be like close, like a close fight either way necessarily, or would be like. 50% of the time one guy will win or the other it's more so just that like both guys have like enough unknowns about them that it's kind of like mm, go either way I think like part of <clears throat> I guess it's, it's and usually betting lines don't reflect this but 
it feels like this is a 50-50 fight because if you list what Maxayo does well on one side and what Vargas does well on the other side, just it's almost like you reached five for each guy. And therefore, it's like, well, he has five advantages and he has five advantages. So therefore, this is an even fight. But like the weighting of what they do well is not being really measured here. And so if you look at Ray Vargas since 2016, he has not stopped anyone. And what that suggests, and his opposition has been decent. I would say if you take away Gary Russell Jr., uh we could have basically argue to a stalemate over who's faced the better opposition uh, between him and uh, Max Io. I, I, you know, I don't think there's, there's much that stands out as like demonstrably significantly better or whatever. And so they face the same level of opposition and uh, take away Gary Russell. Cause that's obviously a great fighter. Uh, Vargas finds a way to win fights, as you uh, as you had said. But like you, you put him against all these different types of styles, and like I, I've seen him fight guys who are going to bring what um, Max Isle brings to the ring, and I've seen Vargas figure out a way. So like the question is like, well, do do you th- believe that Max Isle's chin is either questionable, or do you think that um, you know Max Isle's punching power? Uh, is just going to be way too much in this fight. Maybe, maybe. I, I don't know. If if that's how you feel, then okay, fine. Then it makes sense for you to pick Max Io. But like, if you strip out power and you just assume that Max Io is going to struggle to really uh, make that be a factor in the way that he did with Gary Russell, then it's hard to pick against Vargas. And especially when we saw a one-handed Gary Russell Jr. like still make the fight with Max Isle fairly close. And in the last couple of rounds uh, show that if he literally boxed one-handed, he could take rounds off of Max Isle. I think you put that together and Max Isle, uh, you know, just looking at the intangibles, Ray Vargas has everything you need to beat a guy like Max Isle. And also let's not ignore that Max Isle known for gassing and fights. And I think, you know, that has been a story that has plagued him throughout his career, and it, it you know it didn't look like it made had the a really huge effect in the Russell fight, um, but that was also just a weird fight overall. So Lex, hearing what you've heard now, are you still going with your boy Max Io? Yeah, I think Max Io is one of those weird fighters where like he is able to like kind of pull wins out of his ass, and you can't bank on that for a long time but while a guy is hot and has that in his favor he has it in his favor and i i think like i'm i'm on the bandwagon for now and i also think that boxing needs a filipino champion <laughs> like i don't know if if there are any besides him and i i just think it's you know it's, it's, it's filipino time basically Lex trying to spread the love around uh <laughs> i guess um, well, look, I I want Max Iowa to win because I think he makes for better fights. You're on mute if you're trying to talk. No, I'm not. Okay, <clears> so well, you're just well, I mean, this, I, this I, guy I, is fake talking to the <laughs> microphone <laughs> while <laughs> while I'm talking. And I'm thinking, oh, Deuce has something um, to say. Yeah, well, no, what I was gonna say actually, now that uh, 
I am down to this. You derailed the point. <laughs> um, what I was going to say was uh, the Max Lyle uh, Russell fight was like a weird fight. But don't forget that like Max Lyle was winning before Gary got hurt. So right, that, that was just weird. Interesting thing. That, that was just up. weird. A weird fight where like all of a sudden when he only had to fight against the guy with one hand, he looks like he didn't know what he was doing, but he was having like a lot of success against um, Russell before he visibly started fighting so, with one hand. So it's worth it was basically even at that point, give or take a round. I think it was even up until Russell like very clearly injures himself. And But, like, I think the bigger story there was that Russell was looking at times. Well, one, the, Russell's success was because he was fighting Max Ayo's fight. That's one. But two, it clearly looked like Max Ayo was doing a lot of things that Gary was just not comfortable with. And so I wonder, like, how much that's going to play out here in this fight. And if was that just, uh, you know due to Gary being, like, injured, coming into the fight or whatever? Or does Max Isle bring a level of, I, I guess it was pace early, that maybe Gary didn't want to fight at? Uh, but it, it just looked like he brought something to that ring early that really made Gary uncomfortable. And then, like you said, it was kind of weird that the fight completely did a 180 once Gary was one-handed. I mean, was was that just, like, poor... Ring IQ from Maxio was that poor corner work from the the wild card team of Freddie Roach and uh, Marvin Smodio. I don't remember who it was in the corner. I mean, what was it? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I think it was probably Maxio, like not being great at adjusting. I mean, I think he probably came in very prepared and was doing a good job um, with what he was expecting to see. But yeah, it seemed to me. Um, I mean, you can blame the corner if you want, but at the end of the day, like, it's kind of up to you. It's just as a fight where you're in there. Um, and so if all of a sudden the circumstances change a lot, you can't expect like your corner to what baby, like babysit you through it. Like shit changes in the middle of a round plenty of times, whether it's like, because the guy gets hurt, um, like hurt as in like hurt, hurt, not like injured, um, or whatever the case may be, if a guy switches stance or whatever like you kind of got to figure some of that stuff out yourself and it's like Max Isle might not be the most um naturally um like creative or intelligent um in the ring IQ department or whatever um but he was definitely like prepared he's definitely well prepared yeah like um, a 66 so. on the offensive awareness in the yeah it was like the night. boxing wonder like he like not killing <laughs> <laughs> like might drop him from like a late first to like a mid third. They're gonna say he's a gym rat. The uh, the intangibles off the page, but uh, he struggles to read the playbook. <laughs> yeah, it could be. <laughs> can he? Can he understand a Nick Saban offense? Um, yeah. So uh, let's let's look forward. So what what does the winner have at stake? You know, like what fight looms for the winner? Do you think? Leo Santa Cruz. I agree. All right. I think regardless so, of who wins, that is the fight that makes the most sense. Um, it's still TBD as to like what the resolution is with the WBA and Leo Santa Cruz. Um, if he's going to get to keep the title, or if he has to fight Lee Wood, 
or whether whatever however that's gonna work um to my knowledge he hasn't um he hasn't vacated that title yet but even if he does um kind of like regardless of whether it's a unification or whether it's just another defense of the wbc title um that's the biggest fight i think for either guy you said um, that a little too quick i don't know that for a fact it's just all right like that. i'm just saying you, you you tend to know things from time to time i, I mean i think if... i think i think if like i think if pvc and if leo santa cruz could um gets exactly what they want they would be able to keep the wba title and then do a unification with the wbc champion next i mean but... it, it seems like something that they would do it's like really telegraphed that that is the fight there uh, has has leo made it clear i don't remember this but has leo made it clear that he's going to go back down to 126 i mean leo says a lot of things so yes he has <laughs> but he also like anything he, he says well he, i don't know he says a lot of shit like he anyone if you just say like oh do you want to fight this guy he'll be like, yeah blah, blah blah and so then you'll have a quote of him saying like he wants to fight some guy at 130 or like he's whatever. willing to fight Keith Thurman at a catch weight. <laughs> <laughs> so you can kind of like say whatever you want, but like, I mean, yeah, they're in this protracted thing about the 126 title with the WBA. Um, so I definitely think that he plans on fighting at 126. And I mean, I, he said that he would like to fight the winner of this fight. So. Uh, he also yeah. said he wants to he wants a rematch with Tank, didn't he? Oh, he also said he wants to fight Gary Russell. He wants to fight Frampton, <laughs> Frampton again. Like he, Leo Santa Cruz is like a guy who, who like. Well, I'm saying like two years ago, he's like, oh yeah, I want to oh, fight yeah, yeah. Frampton or whatever. It's like, okay, well, is that actually going to happen? You, no. I mean, you beat him already. Like, what are, what are you what are you doing? Well, no, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, like, you if you want to look for a quote of Leo Santa Cruz saying he's he's willing to do something like no matter who it is or like what what fight it is what weight it's at whatever <laughs> you can find you can find it on the internet somewhere he's probably said it he's a pretty like affable guy like oh yeah i'll do that yeah. he's like the the easiest witness to lead yeah yeah he's like a police officer on the witness stand you know, for the <laughs> for the prosecution <laughs> uh, <laughs> um so who do you think matches up better with Leo, uh, Var- Vargas or Maxio? Lex, why don't you go? Uh, I think Vargas. Why? I, I think with Leo, I, like I, I don't know what his punch resistance is like after getting decimated by Tank, and I know Leo can be dragged into like these little brawls, and I, I think Maxio is pretty big for the weight, from what I understand. Like it, it seems oh, like everyone. Huge. He, Did you he, see, like I never like really like looked at him and like thought about it, but everyone that interviews him or talks to him, they always are like, "How do you make weight? It doesn't make any sense." He's like and five, so I, ten and a half, I think. According there, to there was that picture with him and Sean Porter, and he looked huge next to Sean Porter, and like he was in camp at the time. It wasn't like he was like blown up. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, and I think on the PBC podcast, he 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 said he's pretty big, but he doesn't have trouble making weight. And I just think, uh, you know, a fight with Leo and a, a, this this big, heavy hitting, you know, <laughs> dude may not be um, as beneficial to Leo as like a, a a bit of a more technical boxer. You're thinking from the perspective of Leo winning. I'm I'm just thinking of like what makes for the better fight. Oh, I mean, what what'll be the most entertaining for sure, Mag Style for sure. 
and also, I don't think Maxile knocks out Leo Santa Cruz. I, I didn't say that he does. I just think it's a more like yeah. The, I answered the question do from the Lex. perspective of like I'll just do that to Lex. Who just like put words in Leo. his mouth. <laughs> if we're talking about like what would I rather like go to and watch, definitely Leo and Maxile for sure. Um, yeah, I I don't like the the Vargas matchup for Leo. I just don't think that there's a way that that doesn't fall into like a very predictable trap of Leo just chasing Vargas around the ring because I don't think that Leo has shown over the course of his career that like he can not just like track a guy down but then punish him. I I, I really don't think that there's much evidence of that. Um. But yeah, I, I I definitely prefer the Maxio versus Leo Santa Cruz fight. I mean, there's a lot of tropes you can play into that we haven't really gotten lately with the whole Mexico versus Philippines. Um, I mean, for better or worse, you know. I don't know how you guys feel about those tropes. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely would prefer that fight. Is there a, uh, Are there any wild card matchups that we're not thinking of for the winner? Um... I mean, the return of Gary Russell. If some, if one of them wants to fight Gary Russell coming back, I mean, that seems very unlikely to me. But um, yeah, I mean, otherwise, I mean, think about who else is at featherweight. It's um, the guys from Matchroom or whatever that are. That's not gonna happen with Warrington and Wood or whoever. Uh, Warrington is done. Let's uh, and then say, there's also out of this conversation. Yeah, there's like Mauricio Lara and Navarrete. It's like, okay, are, are any of those fights going to happen? No. Uh, what about Brandon? Is Brandon going to go to 126? Uh, yeah. Good point. Good point. Good point. Uh, yeah, he's yeah. The fight with Brandon and Castro is uh, a winner for 126. So I don't think um, they would be forced to fight him next. I don't. I don't um, think that that would be ordered. But um, yeah, if you can't get Santa Cruz. Brandon is probably the, um, <clears throat> the next like most high profile fight or whatever. The the fight that I'm like really interested in, at least for Brandon's sake, is uh, I would rather see Gary Russell fight the winner of this one and see Brandon fight Leo. Would that be like a torch passing type of deal? Uh, maybe, like but I don't. Thing. I, well, so, <laughs> it, it, I don't know because it's like if Brandon Figueroa and Leo Santa Cruz fight, I'm not sure who's going to win, and I'm not confident that Brandon can win that fight uh, or or that he's like, you know, the prohibitive favor or anything. But I do know that there's going to be a thousand punches landed. That would be each. like an interesting fight for sure um, as far as like um... – Brandon moving up in weight. I'd be curious to see how much his punching has an effect. And also, like, if he's... A, yeah, both guys would throw a lot of punches, but I'd be curious to see if, like... um Any of them, like... Brandon, well, no, not that necessarily. Well, sure, but I mean more so that, like, can Brandon, like, kind of what you were just describing about uh Santa Cruz and Vargas, can he slow Leo down and like pin him down and do damage to him? Or is it just going to be like peppering each other back and forth the whole fight? You know? And then the other question is like, is would Leo like put his pride aside, which he 
very rarely does to like just because we know Leo can box. We saw him do it in the Frampton fight. But like, would Leo make like the decision to like, ah, all right, I guess I'm going to just work on the outside a little bit here. Is there like, what is the likelihood of that happening? It's very low. Yeah. But I, I mean, that's a definitely an interesting fight. I, I guess, yeah, with Brandon and Leo are kind of like the two pieces. Um, along with like a returning Gary Russell if he comes back from injury. Um, are kind of like the pieces on the chessboard, if you will. So I'm looking at the, uh, the Google images to find this picture of Ray Vargas and Sean Porter that you mentioned. Can't find it. But uh, I... No, it's Meg Sayo. Oh, no, Meg Sayo's only 5'7". He might be like a, a big five. Yeah, bro, but look, Google, 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 Meg Zio and Sean Porter. You'll see what you'll see the picture I'm talking about. But I, I, looks, I mean, he looks like he's like two weight classes above Sean Porter. <laughs> holy shit! I'm just saying, like his body, like he looks like a fucking. But big like, boy. all right, all right, okay, all right. Well, well, I will counter you you with this. There is a picture of Sean with German on Cajas. And Ancajas is like a hair smaller. All right. Well, hey, I'm just saying. I'm just telling you what I know. All right. So you're out here cr- searching the wrong guy for Google, like uh, maybe. But he, this is kind of crazy because Mike Sayo is clearly taller than Sean Porter. I, there's also a picture of Mike Sayo and Manny Pacquiao. Pacquiao exact same height as Mike Sayo. I would have oh. never thought that Pacquiao would have a little bit of a size advantage over Sean Porter. But here well, we, we never, are. We never get to see it. One, the one guy, Sean Porter, didn't fight. That would that fight, should Manny and Sean Porter have ever fought, No, there would have been probably like eight headbutts. Yeah. Anyways. Um, yeah, where yeah, were so we? Max Sayo should probably fight at, uh, fight at, at welterweight now, is what we've concluded. Uh yeah, are you asking Leo Santa Cruz or, or what? Uh, Leo Santa Cruz versus Mark Maxayo at welterweight. What are you talking about? <laughs> Leo trying to trying to become a nine weight world champion. <laughs> uh, I was looking at these pictures of Maxayo. He's got a pretty uh good face for making emotes. Just like <laughs> <laughs> this is where your, your head goes in the middle of the podcast. <laughs> Oh God! What a professional outfit. Uh, yeah, guys, it's been a while. We're a little rusty. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. I, I, I think I'm gonna keep my money on Vargas, but I don't know. This seems like one of those fights where we're gonna hear Friday, late, early Saturday. Where you're gonna look at Twitter and you're gonna see like a one hundred and fifty thousand dollar bet was just put on Maxio money line. And then, like, everyone's going to start freaking out that, you know, something is going to happen here that probably is not and is very improbable. But anyway, uh, Deuce, BoxRec has not updated us on the undercard. So uh, can you tell us what the undercard on this one is? Um, well, the co-main event is Brandon Figueroa versus Carlos Castro in a 126-pound eliminator for the WBC title that's in the main event. Um, the first fight on the Showtime card will be Frank Martin against Jackson Mariñez. Um, it was originally Ricardo Nunez, um, but apparently he has visa issues, so it's being replaced by Jackson Mariñez, who we've seen fight on Showtime and also fight Richard Comey on ESPN. Um, Let me ask you a question. 
yeah. kind of a Regis Progre understanding of how the sport works. So if Brandon wins this fight, he's the mandatory for the winner of the main event. Um, no. That's <laughs> <laughs> a joke. It's a joke. I knew that, but uh, yeah, yeah. no, nah, no. Nah. But anyways, uh, well, the WBC will have had two straight mandatories actually. So it, even if it was for final eliminator, it wouldn't be for a long time. But um, anyways, I, I think mostly they just do that like. Oh, it's an eliminator or whatever, so that it can be however many rounds they want it to be. I assume it's probably twelve rounder. But um yeah, and then uh there's some prelims on the Showtime YouTube. Um Rashid Ellis versus Alberto Palmetta. Which Alberto is Pal- Alberto Alberto Palmetta yeah, is a Samson fighter who was um going to fight Jesus Ramos. Um, in an eliminator at one point, he's been hanging around the fringe of the top of 147 for a while. So yeah, it's definitely a legit fight for Shiliola. It's not like some guy they picked to whatever to fight do that the job. Arguably, should be on the main card, and like without question, would be on the main card, or like would not be out of place on any main card, any network, any like you know, on any really any card across the board. But this one is gonna be on the YouTube portion, which I mean, look, it makes sense. The card is good. The undercard is good. You've got well. Wait, names. I think di- didn't the Rashidi Ellis get pushed to YouTube because Frank Martin was supposed to be on the Jamal Charlo uh, undercard? I think. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, technically, it was never announced, and then by the time it was announced, it was as it, uh, it was. This was the undercard for this, but yeah the Frank Martin fight was announced for the Jamal Charlo undercard. So as it was penciled in originally um, or at that time, yeah, uh, it would have, it would have been on Showtime. Um, and I mean, definitely if like Rashidi Ellis was a more known fighter on, like, I, I don't think he would have got bumped the way he did. Um, but clearly like Frank Martin, is going to be higher on the pecking order of like being featured at this point that like just because strictly as like a fight um you could definitely argue that the Rashid Ellis fight is a better fight um but there's a second fight on that um stream too um it's a couple of uh I think super bantamweights um one of them is local to Texas and the other one is a guy who came off a big win over a Cuban prospect uh, so it's actually an interesting fight, although neither one is like a um, big name or it's also not a sexy weight division, but yeah. There's another one that got added that Lax would be uh, very interested to hear that you told me about earlier. Huh? The one that you sent me earlier. The one that is going to be at 175. Oh, uh, yeah. It's the return of uh, Raymond Guajardo. Oh, um, what? My boy is back. Let's go. Yeah, he's on his return. It's coming on this uh, undercard. Go on 154 is back. Don't sleep on Ray Guajardo. You about to take over. Yeah, he, he got Clay I don't know what problems. That, I don't know what this uh, fight is at. I think it might be at like 160, 160-something. 160 <laughs> I'm not exactly <laughs> sure, but yeah, he's back in like a four-rounder apparently. Um yeah, according to Angelo's research, he's from San Antonio, so that probably makes sense as to why he's getting <laughs> getting us undercard slot on this uh, on this 
card, but yeah, shout out to all the Raymond Guajardo stands. I know they're like the only one. Majority yeah, yeah of that, like... the majority of that fan base is already on this podcast. But... <laughs> <laughs> or are related to him, which, you know, doesn't really count. Uh, his opponent is Dario Guerrero Meneses from, uh, well, he resides from Mex- uh, Long Beach, California, 0 and 2, uh, but did go the distance both times. Um, but anyway, uh, let's talk about Brandon's fight. Brandon Figueroa versus Carlos Castro. Castro, um, coming off of a loss to Luis Neri, where Neri dropped him in the first round, but then I, I feel like this this was a fight where, if the first round knockdown doesn't happen, the fight winds up being way closer on the cards than it actually was. I thought Castro, once he recovered from that knockdown and started to get his wits about him, uh, fought a, a, a decent fight. And I, I feel like not enough happened in that fight where you could like walk away and, and feel like, all right, Luis Neary's back. But but likewise, you you can't really come out here and say, that Carlos Castro is done. I think Castro still, um, I mean, I guess I feel the same way about him that I did before, which is like, he's an unknown guy. I think that there's a lot of upside to him and he does things well, but thus far has not shown that he's like elite or, or an impending elite fighter. And then, uh, Brandon is, so let me ask you this. Is this going to be at 122 or 126? Uh, it's at 126. Yeah. So that that is a big question mark. How do you guys feel about Brandon being at 126? Brandon is a big 100 or was a big 122 pound fighter and uh looked like was really coming into his own at 122 as a guy that was starting to be able to leverage punches and to hurt his opponents. How do you guys feel about him coming in here to 122 and do you think Carlos Castro is the right opponent for him to like bounce back? Yeah, I, I think I think Figueroa is going to smash Castro, to be honest. I don't expect this to be competitive at all. I think, listen, I think it's going to be one-way traffic. I don't think, I just think it's a tough matchup for Castro. And I think this is just like a a fight to let Brandon get his shit off and just, you know, put his name back on the map, look good, look punishing. And so... Oh, that's my expectation of the fight. Deuce, what about you? Um, I think Brandon is a, was a huge 122-pounder, and he'll still be a big 126, so I'm not really worried about about his moving up in weight or, like, I, I think his development will continue um, moving up to 126. I kind of, like, disagree fundamentally about the Neri fight for Castro. Of course you do. No, no, I think it would have been, you said like, you think it would have been a closer fight if the knockdown hadn't happened. Um, well, first of all, you said on the cards, it was already a close fight on the cards. So no, no, no. I, I mean, well, yeah, true. But I mean, like the perception of the fight. No, no, I know. But I think what like the first round knockdown actually like made the fight less, less happen in the fight, I guess you would say. Yes, I agree um, with that. And I think Castro fought much more like cautiously than he necessarily had prior. And I think uh he probably like I think if he doesn't get hurt so early, he might and he might actually get stopped in the middle rounds. 
instead of going the distance um but because they kind of reached like this weird stalemate of like at a certain point where they kind of both started like kept doing the same things and like Neri thought he was winning the rounds and like obviously on two judges cards he was but for whatever reason there just wasn't enough happening that you could give um kind of like either way and that's how we ended up getting a split decision but I think the most likely outcome is like Castro being a like trying to box him and seeing boxing him as like from the outside and continue to move being his way to be successful and then probably at some point Brandon will wear him down um, and start to um, cut off the ring on him successfully at some point uh, depending Depending on when that happens, it could be a stoppage or not. I mean, if that happens in, like, round four, he's probably going to end up stopping him. Um, if that doesn't happen until, like, round eight, then Brandon will probably win a decision. Uh, yeah, I don't see it as, like, one-way traffic necessarily. I just think um, I think Brandon will have both more power and more volume um, and just generally be, like, more assertive. Um, I, I and, wonder... like, that would be the difference. I wonder for for Brandon, and and this is really important for him, I think, is do we see development coming out of the Fulton fight? Because Brandon, like, there are a lot of advantages that this guy brings into the ring that, like, very few fighters. Like, he has stamina that I think is amongst the top in the sport. Uh, Shout out to his strength and conditioning coach. Um, <laughs> this guy has like insane stamina, insane work rate. Um, but none of that really made much of a difference in the Fulton fight because the way he got beat were things that I don't think he was just outright prepared to deal with in that fight. And I wonder if he begins to, I guess, take that next step. You know, similar to the way that Leo took that step after losing to Frampton, where he retooled his game plan and made the adjustments that he needed in order to beat Frampton and really beat Frampton at his own game. Like, do we see this next evolution of Brandon or are we going to get the same old Brandon that just comes forward and is like, well, I mean, like, there's no way that you can stand up for 12 rounds and do what I'm doing, so try it. Which leaves him vulnerable to a certain type of fighter. Carlos Castro maybe has shown that he can pretend that he fights that way, but clearly he's nowhere in the realm of like a Stephen Fulton. But I think that that's what makes this fight interesting is we get to see like what version of uh brand or what this version of Brandon looks like, especially at 126. You know, does he fall into the trap of thinking like I'm at 126 now? I feel stronger whether he is or not. I feel stronger. Um and therefore I just do more of the same. Which I think a lot of fighters over the years have had that mindset and like, you know, to, to their detriment, um, wind up, you know, coming up short because they thought that really the four or five pounds was the difference between them beating certain opponents and, 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 and not. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, um, seen a little bit of stuff from Brandon on social media. Um, and I do think he, I think their plan is to incorporate more, um a wider range of skills um like running but, 
No, 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 no. Like uh, doing less of just pure trading and more boxing. Um, but he's also not the first guy that has said that. I mean, he's even said that in like previous camps and stuff. And it's like ultimately it comes down to what you actually are comfortable doing. And usually for Brandon, that's been the same the same guy every time so it'll be an open question to seeing if like even if he says that's what he wants to do um and wants to work on will we see that on fight night or will he revert back to being the same guy it'd be interesting to see yeah um, like you said especially at 126 because yeah everyone feels stronger but like you, some guys forget that like yeah, it also means that the other guys can take a lot better punches too. Though. Right, and they're also stronger too. Like you know, especially the guys are just like, yeah, but this is where like they they've been here for a while. They've 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 like you know played the game and min maxed their abilities at this division. You're just getting here. Like it's it's not like it's not as easy as it looks. Well, if anybody should know that, it should be Brandon who fought Louis <laughs> Neary. Neary. That was like the definition of that. I was like, oh yeah, you think you're gonna bang me out? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. And then also on the card, Frank Martin, who I mean, like, I don't even think this is controversial to say. You guys correct me if I'm wrong, but at this point, a top three prospect in the sport, certainly top five, but you could make the argument top three. Is there anyone I'm <laughs> I'm like based off performances, definitely. Like, just um, make sure I'm not disrespecting anybody here, but I mean, I feel comfortable saying that. Well, yeah, I mean, I feel like you're couching it enough that like you can fit in whoever bitches like, yeah, I said top three, bro. Chill. All right, now fine. He he's, I mean, he's like, well, no, but the the, the reason that I would say like, the, I didn't do the thinking, it. so yeah, yeah. But are no, we talking about at 135 or it, it just in general, bro? No, you, do you know how crazy I would be if I said, yeah, Frank Martin's a top five prospect at 135 like come on lex you you should fuck me up if i say that i mean 135 is a lot of talent not that much talent i, mean, I, did, really? I don't think I heard... there's a division in boxing that has enough like top tier prospects where we could legitimately say yeah like he's top five prospect it's like no we don't even know five so wait 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 so would you put him above raya as a prospect i would okay deuce you you look like you got something to say well, no, it was, just, it was, I'm going to wait to get into my point. Cause I, I think, yeah, I mean, if you, if you want to keep going on this, you can, but my, my only caveat to putting him as like a certain elite tier of prospect is like, he's already like 26. Like he kind of should be moving, like moving past this stage now. So like, that's, fair. I don't that's, that's fair. To, a cer- to a certain level, like, it's just like uh, if you're, are you the number one prospect in baseball? Like, are you the best player who's not in the major leagues, or are you the number one prospect? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like to a certain extent, Martin is like kind of um, Julio Rodriguez. <laughs> yeah, no, I think he's just ready, and like, there's not really um, he, like, especially in that division, you kind of gotta go through a certain stage of like whatever because. You can't just hop up and fight, fight for the championship because of the landscape of the division. But um, yeah, I think most of the people that you would be comparing, comparing him to, would be like younger guys. And so at that point, it's just a matter of like, what are you prioritizing as far as ranking a prospect? But um, yeah, I certainly think that like Frank Martin has 
produced some of the most flawless prospect performances, if you want to say that. Probably where you he's shown everything that you want to see in the last couple fights, where he's fought different guys that are all not really on that level, but they're of a like a certain mix where you sometimes do see guys put on average performances and like we really haven't seen that from him um and if anything that just kind of shows that like he's ready so that's kind of that's kind of what we want to see do we see that again um because it's kind of at this point it's just do how many times do we keep seeing that until um until he's given something more to to work with um and i don't think necessarily it's a fault of anyone just like landscape of the sport but no i i think that i think that's fair it's it's a really good point to bring up that we're i mean my cutoff for prospects is always like 25 or 15 20 fights roughly around there once you pass those and i mean you, you really shouldn't be considered a prospect you should be considered a contender and i even think that like you know fine considering him a contender i still think it mostly like the praise mostly holds up and and then there's also just the question of just like looking at it eye test wise like you know where, how how do you evaluate this guy and I, and I'm I don't think I've talked to anybody but you know maybe it's a reflection of the circle that I keep but I don't think I've talked to anybody who doesn't have glowing praise for Frank uh Martin and so yeah, he's just, 27 by the way 27 all right well I mean he was 26 when all the stuff that I was thinking of he was 26 so yeah well i think he between his last fight and now he's turned 27 that's weird but uh (laughs) i need to do my own research on this uh birthday stuff (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah i mean but so real real quick can i ask a quick question yeah And, and maybe you're about to get to this so sorry if i cut you off but um how do you feel about Marinas as a replacement. Our interesting question. I was about to get to that, and uh, so a, a lot of people on Twitter are like coming out and saying Jackson Marinas tougher opponent. Jackson Marinas, who lost to Roly Romero by decision, was outboxed thoroughly by Roly. <laughs> I can't even say it with a straight face. But uh, he did lose a decision to Rolly Romero. Whether you agree with that decision or not, take that up on your on your own time. But uh, let's just stick with the facts here. Uh, he lost a decision to Rolly and then uh, was a knockout victim to one Richard Comey, who is a, a big punching lightweight. You know, let's let's not uh, let's uh, let's not not give this dude praise that he deserves. But anyway, um, you know, a lot of people feel like this is a tougher fight for. Uh, Frank Martin to be facing Jackson Marinez instead of Ricardo Nunez, but uh, maybe Deuce doesn't agree with that. No, I don't agree with that personally. But I mean, if people want to say that, I mean, I'm I'm pro the Frank Martin hype train. So like, if the perception is that he's going to get more credit for this win amongst uh, the Twitterati, then that's cool with me. Uh, but. Yeah, no, I don't really see how, uh, based off of the last performance that we saw out of Jackson Mourinho, is why you would say that, like, 
that is some really difficult matchup. So everyone says Roly sucks. So like if if a boxing Roly in a super boring fight is like your measure of success, then like well, I don't know why you would necessarily like rate that as some great like whatever. But um yeah, no, I mean Ricardo Nunez um big puncher um knocked out um Alfredo Santiago who uh I saw live in the flesh starch Carl Dargan uh on the <laughs> untelevised freelance the uh what the, a bit of trivia that you'll always have for that <laughs> to the Stephen Fulton then your Roman card well no nah, but uh yeah so I mean that's like it depends on what you're interested in seeing from Frank Martin I guess um I don't necessarily think that Jackson Mourinho's is going to outbox Frank Martin. So at that point, what is like the specific challenge? Um, and I feel like facing like a rugged puncher who has the power to hurt him would be a more interesting matchup. Um, but I mean, it's take your pick, I guess. Like I, if you put the two against each other, I definitely don't think, I think Mourinho's bike is barked out. Um, by Nunez but um either way it's just kind of like you're picking guys from the same pool of talent so like whether you have an opinion on one guy being better or the other first of all you'll never know they'll be able to prove it second of all it's kind of irrelevant because these guys get replaced or like get switched out for each other sort of all the time um or like the reason one guy gets picked over another is just kind of um yeah just kind of random in the sport so it's well, now he's got to face Josh Mourinho, so it's a it's a little bit different um, of an assignment for sure. Um, so that'd be kind of interesting, but I don't expect it to have much effect on Martin in the fight. I mean, realistically, like I'm pretty sure that Nunez is just going to get the fight anyway, and this will be Frank Martin's next fight. We've seen. Uh, I don't think this is exclusive to PBC, but we've certainly seen them do it, where it's like, well, if you can't do the fight this time, we'll figure it out. And you'll, you'll well, this because this is the fight we want to do. We think for whatever reason this is the fight for blah blah blah. So they wind up doing it anyway. Uh, well, you know, the thing is, is I think um, Nunez obviously was uh, when he fought Tank. It was for the WBA, and in that fight against Alfredo Santiago or whatever, he won like the whatever Latino version of the lightweight like regional title or whatever. So it might have something to do with. Um, setting Frank up in the rankings. Um, that might be one of the reasons that they want to fight Ricardo Nunez. I don't know that for a fact, but just throwing it out there, that might be. All right, pivoting away briefly from this fight, I did not see this until Lex just sent this to me. So you may have seen this already, but this is the tweet. Jake Paul is finalizing a deal to face Hasim Rahman Jr. on August 6th. Sources familiar with the negotiations told Sports Illustrated. Rahman is the son of ex-heavyweight champion Hasim Rahman. Couldn't have figured that one out. Uh, Paul pivoting away from Tommy Fury, who was denied entry into the U.S. last week. Um, now, I could be wrong here, but didn't Hasim Rahman Jr. just recently get knocked out? Yep. Yeah, by uh, Tommy Morrison's kid. Trey Lippy Morrison? The, Who he uh, himself looked awful against, like, every, every time he's ever been on TV. <laughs> yeah. 
Wait, didn't he also lose recently? Like, he get knocked out too? Or am I misremembering? Uh, if he didn't lose, he definitely should have lost. No, nah, it's it's James McKenzie Morrison. He's undefeated. With his uh, 20 victories and 18 knockouts with two draws. Oh, I don't know if this guy is. Is that guy related to Tom Morrison? I thought we were talking about Trey Lippy. I, that's me. That's he, I, he, he did that's in my wheelhouse there. I, I know who he is. Uh, anyways, so yeah, Hassan Rockman Jr. got sparked out. Uh, First, uh, and they're gonna put this on pay per view, huh? I mean, I don't know. Man. Uh, not really sure what the Jake Paul story is these days. What, well, there's a Hogan tweet for this where he's like says something about every day a new dirt sheet pops up. This business has legs <laughs> that will never end. Well, yeah, the, like, you know, people get really mad about pay-per-view and all this stuff, but, like, this is the kind of thing where I just, like, I enjoy it because of, like, it just lets me know that the business has legs that will last forever. The business will never die. Um, But, uh, yeah. Did you watch Haseem Rahman Jr. get knocked out, Lex? Nah, it was on, like, I was, like, one of those, like, low-key fight TV type of fights. I don't typically watch those so i missed that yeah, one yeah i know i remember seeing it on twitter and um I, th- I think he got knocked out pretty badly i'm trying to remember what it was on it was on a virgin hotels card who's the main event yo what is this keith hunter was versus demarius driver i don't remember any of this <laughs> wow jeez i don't remember any of this um but all right i mean I would like to see them put this on pay-per-view. And I'm curious to see how it'll do. And, like, here's the thing, guys. If you're mad, it's like, oh, yeah, another pay-per-view. You don't have to order it. You do not have to get mad about it. Maybe you just uh, laugh at it and you get to... I mean, like, and not even, like, criticize it because it's like, this is not for you. This is clearly not for you. This is not for me. I don't care about Hasim Rahman Jr. I don't care about Jake Paul. Will I watch the fight? Of course I will because, you know, uh, I watch everything. And, uh, but, um, this is not for me and I'm not going to order it. And, but I do, uh, I will be fascinated to see like the, the Twitter response, not from boxing fans, you know, no, you guys, you know, no one cares about what you guys think here. I want to know what the Jake Paul fans feel like. Cause like, you got to imagine like the Jake Paul fan who's like, you know, Jake Paul mafia, like how they feel about like this fight and their reaction to it. I'm, like, super curious about, like, what they go through. Or, like, them buying into, like, this is, like, you see Jake Paul's facing a real fighter. You know, this guy is 12-1. and one. Jake Paul could truly be a world champion. Like, you know, that that's sort of, like, the justification of, of Jake Paul. I'm all here for. Anyway, um, yeah, anything you want to say about this uh, Jake Paul breaking news? Who, me or You. I mean, this seems like something that like you're more into than Rollins. I mean, like my whole thing was after uh, he fought, what's his name? Tyrone Woodley. I felt like Jake Paul was entering a weird territory because it's it, it gets to a point where it's like, all right, this guy clearly spends a lot of time training and fighting. And the fights up until this point have been like gimmick fights, like Nate Robinson, Ben Askren, and Tyrone Woodley two times. Like they're freak shows. 
now he's getting into the territory where it's like it's not a freak show. So I'm I'm curious, like yeah, the, the it, ice is getting thin where he's at right now. Yeah, like does the does the shtick still work while he's fighting real fighters? Because there's no possible way anyone in boxing, other than like Floyd Mayweather Jr., could fight Hasim Rahman Jr. on pay per view. Like there's zero appeal, and so I'm, <laughs> so I'm just curious, like. Why? What, what happened? No, I like. Why did you bring up Floyd into this? Because who? Like Floyd is the only guy that could just fight anyone on pay per view, and it could work. I don't know about that. Who else could? I don't think anybody could. You think people were gonna watch Floyd fight you? Yes. Yeah, uh, maybe you're you're kind of a big guy. Maybe there's an. Yo, it's of... Flo- it's Flo- Floyd. Like people want to see Floyd like in action. And and I'm not even saying it'll be like some huge success, but it it could work. Does Jake Paul versus a boxer work? I don't know. And I'm I'm that'll be what I'm like most curious about. I mean, like the, you know, the, the question is like, do you consider Hasim Rahman to be a boxer? That of course. He's, he's up, like 18 fights. Like, but of the level you're talking about, he's oh, he's 12 fights. He's 12 and one. Yeah, you, like, you just gave this man like a quarter more of his career. <laughs> But he's been he's been boxing since 2017. Like he's a boxer. Okay, if you so ask he's been boxing like on, as long as or in less for less time than I've done a podcast. If you ask <laughs> Asim Rockman, what is he junior? What does he do for a, a living? He's going to respond to you and say, "I'm a boxer. I'm the son of a former heavyweight champion. What do you do?" That's how I would answer. <laughs> who ba- who ba- like like Nate Robinson? I'm an NBA player. I I'm a former NBA player who's now a blogger. Ben Askren, I'm a UFC fighter. Tyrone Woodley, I'm a UFC fighter. Was 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 right. Was it's like so we're not we're not like doing these like cross sport gimmick matchups anymore. This is like we're in real boxing territory. Uh, you know, bringing up real boxing, let's talk about uh Derek Chisora's return against uh totally serious boxer Kubrat Pulov. That'll be on. I thought you were gonna say. Speaking of gimmick pay per views, <laughs> well, I mean, I was yeah. trying to, I was trying to allude to that, but I guess I, I wasn't like as clear with my words. Uh, but sorry, this is on the zone, so it's not a pay per view. So you should be value for money, baby. Um, that sounds super astroturfed. Have you been compromised? Yeah, I, uh, I recently got an a stipend, a, a stipend from uh, Matchroom Boxing in the zone. Are they going to fly you out to cover um, Chisora and Pulev? No, I'm going to get flown out um, to cover, uh, I don't know, their next flyweight card. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I mean, um, I, what's the appropriate thing to say about this fight? Because like, I feel like there's a lot to say and none of it is good. I mean, have Derek Chisora lost his last fight, got really just the shit beat out of him by Joseph Parker. And uh, all signs point to, if you've like looked at um, images of him, pictures of him training or, and everything, he does not look like the kind of guy that's coming in peak form for this fight. Maybe he's, you know, slimmed down. Maybe he's got muscles in the places that they didn't used to be typically. But 
I don't know. Something about Derek Chisora gives me an uncomfortable feeling uh, when I look at, at him and I think about him continuing to box. Do you guys feel the same way? Yes. I mean, I'm not really sure why. Like, okay, so he's like still headlining, which is like one thing about this card that makes it weird because like he's lost a lot of fights recently and they're not even at like the world level. They're like that half step below it, like contender-ish level. And he's losing and not particularly close. Um, So that's like one weird thing. Another weird thing is like, yeah, that he clearly looks like, I don't know, he looks like he might not be uh, in the best um, physical, not like physical as in like where the muscles are, but yeah, he looks like he might be um, not exactly um, in the position that he should be fighting more difficult fights. But then the most weird part, I think, about it probably is that like, this is a rematch of a terrible fight. so why why would you do a rematch of it? And why would you sell it as if it's going to be something it's not? And why would you get another guy who's also, like, washed and not at all at the level of being a headliner? And I don't know. There's just a lot of things about this that don't really make sense. Or at least that, like, don't make sense unless it's just... um like you're on an episode of uh whatever master chef and like this is the ingredients you had so this is what you put together <laughs> or whatever show that is that they do that i don't know chopped yeah, or that's whatever. a really uh specific and odd analogy to use here well i'm just saying there's like no reason there's no reason first of all you would do this fight second of all that you would do this show headlining if like you had an unlimited amount of options or like even like a wide array of options it's like you specifically had this because I mean, originally they wanted um, they wanted Konaki to be this fight, which like I would I would be maybe like ten percent better. I don't know, five percent better. Um, as far as like at least it's not a, re- a rematch of a fight we've already seen. But I mean, I don't know. I'm just kind of like not sure why Chisora still headlines, but I guess it's because he has fans. But I don't. Then they keep talking about how this fight's not going to sell or like how. He needed. That's why they wanted Kanaki to help it sell. So like, I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's another matchroom card that I don't really. It's not for me. <laughs> it's not. It's not a. This is the point is not to appeal to American fans. So okay. I'll let it yeah, happen. I think that's all fair. I mean, Chizor's lost three straight, twice to Joseph Parker, once to Alexander Usyk. Um. He pulled that win out of nowhere against Takam when he was way behind. And other than, if he had lost that fight, his like last eight fights, he would have like no wins of any consequence. So it was like that one punch apparently has learned him another five headline spots. But I mean, like if you just look at the wins that he's had, David Price, who'd already had six losses, Archer Spielka. Who was Sin- completely shot, yeah. Sinad Gashi, Carlos Takam. Who had already lost four times and was coming off of a loss coming into the fight. I mean, like, you know, he'd just gotten smoked by Joshua. And then uh, Zakaria Azuzi, you know, that's four years that we're, we're looking. Um, you know, prior to that, Roberto Filipovic, who was four and two. So, like, 
I, I just want to say, you know, like we can criticize this and this card is not for us. And actually, I, I really just don't know who the demo is that they're like hoping to reach other than Derek Chisora stands. And I thought like I was a fan of Derek Chisora, but like I even I've got a limit here. But on the other hand, the audacity that they have to put Derek Chisora back in this main event position against a Kubret Pulev, the audacity they have to just put this out there as a headline in 2022, I have to respect. This is like, I don't know. This is like, you know, you, you made the MasterChef um, analogy, but this is, it, it really feels like a, like a TV show. And this is like, no way you guys, like this is just far-fetched. No one would ever buy Chizora coming off of a three straight losses versus Kubret Pulev, who's by and large been completely irrelevant since 2020. And his one fight that he had was on a fucking thriller card that nobody watched. So that people still haven't gotten paid for. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's, there's that. Well, but, but like, even before that, dude, Pulev was completely irrelevant. Even before, like, the Joshua you know, fight. If you he, just the Joshua fight was the only thing. Like he hadn't fought anybody for like years before that either, because like he was in that where he had earned the mandatory and then got like hurt. So he just waited around for like four years for, until they ordered it again. Yeah, it's like he he was completely irrelevant even outside of just being billed as the Joshua opponent. That's like literally the only relevance he's had in like ten years. Well, I I can dispute that with uh, the sexual assault he carried out in. Uh... March of 2019, I believe it was. Yeah, the, the sushi girl. Yeah, I don't, I don't know the details of it, but I do know that he uh, might have forced his way into a situation that she didn't want to be into. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I don't know the 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 audacity that they have to put this card out. I definitely respect. It's just like wild, and like I'm curious if people are like actually down with it. Because that itself would be something. Um, <clears throat> yeah, for also... me, it's more so just that I don't understand it. It's if I'm down with anybody like making a play or like doing some sort of like uh, cynical, maybe like a, a unnecessarily pejorative word, but like doing some sort of matchmaking that's unconventional. I just don't know what this is supposed to be. That's why. That's my main question. Maybe Chizora is going after the heavyweight triad combat championship. Oh, now we're of talking. Which, Let's get that which triangle Kubret ring. Pulev is one and zero. Now we're talking. Now this is just transferred over into the Box Red Gray podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> get that triad in there. Frank Mir. Frank Mir. Uh, whatever. It's M I R. Yeah, bro. It's Mir. That's the guy who uh, beat Brock Lesnar in his uh, UFC debut. Wait, wait, wait. Brock Lesnar lost his UFC debut? Uh, yeah, Frank Miller was like the former champion and he's like a total wrestler guy. And uh, Brock Lesnar, like the greatest Brock wrestler. Brock Lesnar was beating the shit out of him, but then like got super over aggressive and got like heel hooked. So he like, he like tried to stand up and walk away from him. And like the guy, the guy like, grabbed his leg and just did like, like basically Brock Lesnar had no idea that he was like, he shouldn't do that. So then they rematched him again and uh, he beat the shit out of him. Did they change the rules? They did not. They just told Brock, hey, like, now that you know that you shouldn't do that, you shouldn't just get up, stand up, and walk away from a guy, from the guy when he's standing there on the ground. They told Frank Mir, hey, brother, you're doing the job tonight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, bro, <laughs> the, they they did that for the Frank Mir rematch. 
was uh i think it was in minneapolis uh <laughs> and brocklesnick cuts like the greatest promo in the ring afterwards it was pretty it's pretty good you should, you should youtube it if you're not familiar i'm just curious what what the significance of the indianapolis part was or oh it was in minneapolis like it was oh, in like it was, it was like a home home show for same difference Brock. i mean whatever it is white people what land as you would it's, call it's it it's the big 12 like what, what more do we <laughs> yeah <say>? okay <laughs> Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, Lex, on a scale of 1 to 10, how hyped are you for the return of Derek Chisora this weekend? Zero. What else is on that card? I know this, this is the, the Madrid. This is, like, this is what I'm talking back. about, how since... Like, I don't even know what the last fight was that I was really excited about. Maybe the tank fight? Since whatever that fight was, if if someone told me that just boxing didn't exist, I, I would, I'd be like, oh, all right, that makes sense. Lex is lying. It was Fury White. No, before that. <laughs> well, wasn't, wasn't it a Charlo Castano? Was it was that more recent? Okay, thing? Char- yeah, so Charlo Castano too. Everything remember. after that has been dreadful. Like I, 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 while I was sick, I sometimes would look at the timeline and I'd be like, what is everyone talking about? Like, who cares about who? Either who cares about these fights, or people are so bored that they have to create stupid stuff to talk about like lies about the Crawford that's uh, negotiations or like fantasy fights it's just boxing is so dry right now it's insane that that is kind of what this whole podcast is just just throwing that out there but um bro Ray Beltran's fighting this weekend dude shout out to Ray Beltran pro box tv isn't he like 43 yeah bro and he's still fighting for his green card <laughs> That's bro, the top you know, biggest like. Mark. You think he's uh he's on the the you know, bro. Uh, he could be. I don't know. Pro Box TV fighting in Plant City, the Plant City Rehab Center in Florida. Yo, wow. <laughs> I mean, he could go get treatment right after. <laughs> uh, yeah, apparently, also there's a there's a card in Russia, uh, Kurbanov versus Patrick Teixeira. So apparently, That's the Russia happening? the, the Russia Ukraine conflict is over apparently because we're. We're, I was about going to, just to ask that. Uh, no, that you, is that so, is 100 happening. Yeah. So, how how do you think uh, Tashira got into the country? I don't. I do. I don't know. Who, who's to say? <laughs> they snuck him in through North Korea or something. No, I mean Russia's fine. It's just like everyone's like not. Everyone was pretending to be like anti-Russia. Now apparently, that's people got bored. So Isn't like, he from yeah. Brazil though? I yeah. feel like Bolsonaro would definitely be like. Dude, Bolsonaro yeah, is probably his boy. He's probably like, no, no, no. I, that's, I talked to Vladimir. We're doing direct flights uh, directly into Russia. So j- just for the, the sake of um, some clarity here, Charlo Castaño was May 14th. Tank Roly was May 28th. And uh, apparently that is when boxing was no longer good to Lex. Ignoring Fulton versus Roman. Hater. Ignoring Brian versus Dubois. Trash. Huge card. Massive card. Love that. Ignoring Berlanga versus Angulo. Trash. And of course, all right, dudes, I have to ask you, was the Joe Joyce, like, no one actually thinks Joe Joyce is, like, elite, right? Because, like, the, the response on Twitter was kind of crazy over the weekend. Yo, uh, that's what I'm, people are bored. Joe, Joe, Joyce is a, Joe Joyce is, like, a meme fighter, bro. Like, he's, he's okay. like, uh, not not to this level, and and uh, Lex will probably get like all angry and blasphemous, like that. This is blasphemous, but it's like when people geeked out about like Wilder, nine people on one punch. It's just like I don't know, man. 
so it's a meme is it gonna last is is are things that are not normal gonna last no probably not but it's still fun to be like yeah dude joe joyce so it's the juggernaut man you don't want a war it's like how, how far can the meme? how far can you take the meme you know well, Max, plus, I, plus, support. I do think, I do think, I do think people like overestimate how, un, how, or uh, overestimate how important it is to be, um, like a beautiful boxer in heavyweight boxing. Like it's, it's a totally different sport almost. Uh, so people are like, oh, he's slow. This can't work. And it's like, eh, well, I, I'm not, I'm not mad at the take. I just think, like the heavyweight, the heavyweight division is low key trash right now. Fury. Who knows what he's well, not, it's, it's, it Well, Joshua Nusik held, held it up for for like over a year now. But no, nah, like, but that, just, that fight wasn't particularly interesting anyway. It just hasn't. Nothing has happened. There's been a move. But what what makes a division appealing, in my opinion, is depth <laughs> and like the appearance of like several good fighters. Well, I mean, but we had we had Dylan White uh, like come on as like a contender, so that that's a problem. <laughs> so White White sucks. Fury is MIA. Wilder is TBD. Joshua has been exposed pretty much. Oh, I thought you were going to say Joshua is BBC. I was like, whoa, hey, yo. Oh, God, God. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just thought he <laughs> No, he's, he's DAZN, but not, apparently. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, like the, the most interesting thing about Anthony Joshua is this dude has finessed his own into giving him a, a, probably a very sizable contract, but then said, but uh, you don't have my next fight. Yeah, pretty but, but print the release anyway, since you guys need the clout. Like, go for it. Which you know, do to squash this whole like, will he fight on Sky again? Do you want to just put this one to bed? Oh yeah, no. I mean, I think that the fight was is still going to happen on um DAZN. Um, I think that was actually part of why um DAZN released what they did, even though they knew that they didn't have the rights to the next fight to kind of like um, what's that poison the well of like them having the Saudis being able to sell it to the highest bidder um, because why, why at this point, what incentive does Sky have to invest in this fight? A fight that Joshua is the underdog in probably going to lose. Um, and even if he does win, you don't have him for the future. Um, and not to mention like the whole like Saudi thing, which they've been going hard on recently. Um, Sky has as like a network uh, against like the golf stuff that's going on in Saudi, so it would be kind of weird to like have to wade back into that. So it just has made it more complicated. And so I do think it'll end up on the zone, but I think that, um, yeah, but I think it was kind of like the zone and uh, Eddie pissing off the Saudis because they like sold them this thing and like this uh, fight, the rights to this fight, as if they were going to be able to have it and I, and I do think the saudis wanted it on sky um absolutely primarily they want it on the biggest platform even if it's whatever even if the zone is like coming with a bunch of money or whatever well, um, they, the, the saudis are the one putting up the money it's not like they're asking for much return the return that they uh, want I mean, is, to, to is, a certain extent to a certain extent but what's i mean i imagine that what's more important to them is that they can put the propaganda in front of the most people as possible because that's what the whole money that they're spending is for yeah, yeah. No, that's, I mean, for sure. Um, and so I think they kind of pulled a finesse um, on them and, like, gave them the impression that they were going to be able to sell this to whoever and that that was going to be valuable. And then they, like, once that was signed, they, like, came out with the, the zone thing. They were like, 
yeah, Joshua's on the zone. Joshua's on the zone, blah, blah, blah. So now it's kind of like, no matter what, the zone is going to be probably where it ends up. Um, Shout out to Eddie Hearn, who next to Phil Mickelson has uh, put their foot in their mouth the most with the Saudis. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> um, yeah, so that that's interesting. But I mean, yeah, it is pretty funny. Like, it would be like if, like, uh, KD came out and announced that he, like, had some, like, exclusive nine-year deal with Under Armour to make a signature shoe. And then, like, a week later, we found out that, like, next year, like, he still might sign with Nike <laughs> for, like, for one year. Right. Or, <laughs> like, or uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, wow, okay, you made this huge deal about this announcement. And it's like, but it doesn't actually include, I mean, it's pretty incredible, I guess you'd say. Like, when once Joshua loses this fight, what? what is he going to be worth and what is he going to want to do with the rest of his career? Pretty incredible that he his owner paying him apparently for that, but I don't yeah. know, man, who knows what they're doing? No, I mean, to me that that is, it is insane that they would have made this deal, but not have gotten a guarantee on the, what very likely could be like the last real significant fight of Anthony Joshua's career. Because I'm sure the Fury fight's always going to be there. Uh, although, you know, is Fury retired? Who knows? I'm sure the jo- the, the the Wilder fight would will still be there. But that becomes complicated because we're talking about UK rights, essentially, where Joshua is going to bring in the most. And I think uh, outside of the Fury fight, where this makes the, you know, the fight that's going to make the most money is the Wilder fight. And the UK is not going to be as important as the American broadcast rights at that point. And we also know, you know, a Deontay Wilder fight is likely a Fox or Showtime pay-per-view. That's just the way things are going to go. So they could be, you know, getting Joshua without a real significant fight on the horizon for this guy. I mean, unless, I mean, like no one knows who Joe Joyce is. No one knows who Daniel Dubois is. Although more people know Dubois than Joe Joyce. But these are not huge fight so it's like hard to see envision a future where the zone is like other than just wishing hoping and praying that uh joshua beats Usyk, hard to envision a future where there are huge fights that you will make your money back on with anthony bro, joshua bro you know the fight chisora chisora uh, chisora baby <laughs> damn it uh bro chisora, chisora wins chisora wins <laughs> That's what they're setting him up for. If if Chisora beats Joshua, does that invalidate the last ten years of British boxing? I don't know, man. I, I think it just means that War Chisora is, is a different type of beast. That's the kind of shit that opens up a portal, like in Stranger Things. There's no, there's no way. There's just no way. But I would be super happy if Chisora, like you know, who has zero significant wins over the course of his career, despite being in multiple headline positions on pay-per-views and all this stuff, if the dude comes back and uh, gets that victory over Anthony Joshua, even if Joshua like gets beat like to a pulp by Usyk for 12 rounds, stopped with like blood everywhere, I still think it'd be like a hugely remarkable win for Chisora. But uh, I guess unless there's something else, I think we should stop there with the before we get fully into fantasy booking. Sounds good to me. Apparently, uh, I you know I. Similarly to Lex, think that um, 
boxing has been dry. I think people are searching for shit to talk about. Um, I don't want to hear about fucking Canelo Golovkin at all for another four months. Um, I know that means <laughs> until after the fight. Yeah, I was saying, <laughs> till mid till to mid October. <laughs> um, yes, that's correct. Um, but at the same time, um, whatever, man. This Mexico card is good. There's just a lot of like off-brand shit. There's just a lot of like Kirkland brand um, boxing going on. So everyone having a, a rumor or a source about whether or not Spence Crawford's going to happen. Yeah, which is fucking annoying. Like, first of all, if it's a fight that's going to happen in November, it's not going to get fucking announced anyway. So, like, how many fights are announced for November right now? It's like that shit is just fucking annoying. I, I wish people should fuck up about that. I mean, just like just just chill and, and let this let, just let yourself be surprised. Just put it aside. Do what we normally do with these big fights. If it happens, cool. If not, I, I don't want to get my hopes up, so I'm just going to pretend like this ain't happening until it's until I, I find out otherwise. Leave you know there. what annoys me about like the, the negotiations or the talk and rumors is like the fight could be signed already. Like when Pacquiao and Errol fought, that shit came out of nowhere. Nobody knew when that got signed. It's just one day Pacquiao posted on his Instagram and, and boxing Twitter broke. How do we know that's not going to happen with Errol and Bud? I just wish everyone would just STFU about the fight. All right. Either well, it happens I mean... or Whatever. I'll I'll text um, Bud and, and Spence and tell him like you know keep it tight lipped. <laughs> um, any other grievances we should throw out before? Nah, I just need Steven Espinosa to to come through with the crazy Q three. Matter of fact, since since we're on the topic of boring, I'm gonna share what I think is looming for us boxing fans, just to wet the the whistle a little bit. <laughs> I do think Errol and Bud happens. Ruiz versus Ortiz, we know, is done. I think Tank fights again at some point oh, this shit. year. Wait. Plant versus Durrell, I think, is happening at some point this year. Charlo versus Zoo. Wilder versus Kaunaki. We're getting Thurman again. Harrison versus Fundora. And I think we get David Benavides again. I mean, like, I don't think you, you stepped out on any skinny branches there. Give me no, I, I wasn't trying to get too crazy. I just, I, I think right now is hyper boring, but I do think patience will pay off. I mean, like, let me give you guys something. Jamal Charlo will get, you know, get over this little back injury he had, a little tweak. We, it, we, you know, once you hit thirty, th- this kind of thing happens. Um, but, I mean, does Jamal skip out uh, Suleki? And maybe we slide in on Demetrius Andre. Man, you're not even like motherfuckers on Twitter again. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, you know, I, I'm trying to say, like, Lex, if, if you're going to throw out some, some fights, should you couldn't have thrown us a bone like that? All right, and that's where the podcast ends. <laughs> Deuce- I mean, like, who? I'm trying to be realistic. Like, that's like some super boxing Twitter, like, Twitter space of like seven people type of situation. Like so, I don't. From now until September, we got Arnold. Well, we have the fights this weekend: Chisora Pulev two and uh, Maxio Vargas. But uh, let me just run down a couple of fights or a few fights that that will be happening in the upcoming months. Arnold Barboza versus Daniel Lito Zaria, Ryan Garcia versus Javier Fortuna, 
Joette Gonzalez versus Isaac Dogbe, Danny Garcia versus Jose Benavidez, Virgil Ortiz versus Michael McKinson, Amando Navarrete versus Eduardo Baez. I think the Garcia Benavidez card has a decent undercard. Uh, but I mean, the main event is just like whatever. Uh, I, I think. Did you say Michael Conlon, Miguel Mariaga? That's a card? Yeah, well, that's, that's happening in uh, North Belfast or whatever, Northern Ireland, Belfast, whatever. Did you say, you say Virgil Ortiz? Yeah. Uh, okay. Did you say Clarissa Shields? I said before September. Ah, uh, fuck you. Uh, Jose, did you say Jose Pedraza, Richard Comey? That's a card. That's a card. August twenty-seven. No, I don't have that. T- top rank these update their stuff so I can copy the stuff over. I mean, I might not be officially announced, but wow! All right, You're just uh, dropping. There's Ed also Korn. some card for like the fucking British title that Matchroom's putting on. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. so shout out to shout out to that big card on uh, August sixth. Dalton Smith for Sam Omazin, whatever that is. Oh, yeah. The marks are going to go well for that. It's the same, man. The zone and uh, matchroom game change, baby. And with that, thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. It's been a while. Thank you guys for being patient with us. Uh, but we are back. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad that, Lex, you're feeling better. Deuce, of course, I'm glad that you're feeling. Are you feeling better? Uh, yeah, no, dude, we're doing pretty good. I went to the doctor today, got some pretty good news. So, you know, out here, out here grinding, just getting through life one at a time. One, one Queensberry promotions post at a time. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know what it is. Uh, one AstroTurf to zone link at a time. Anyway, um, thank you guys for listening. The, the one thing we didn't talk about, we should probably reconvene over on Patreon at some point this week, but we got to talk about the Clarissa Shields, Savannah Marshall, card where we uh get together and pretend like we're experts on women's boxing and try to speak intelligently on something when uh i think only one of us here actually puts in that kind of work to talk like sound like experts but uh thank you guys and i was talking about dudes not me and certainly not you lex but uh yeah thank you guys for listening if you like the podcast head over to our patreon patreon.com slash sunday puncher or you can even better Actually, I don't know if it's even better. But uh, you can go and leave us a review on iTunes. Leave us a good review, five stars only. If you're not going to leave five stars, certainly you have better things to do with your time. Don't do it. Five stars only. Even if you think it's four, just give it five, okay? You know, this this is my favor that I'm asking for you. But if you're not, then uh, you certainly got better things to do. Um, Yeah, Ranger Rollins on Twitter. Bad beat lex or something on twitter (laughs) (laughs) real roly page i mean like who how often do you look at somebody's actual username um but anyway thank you guys so much for listening we'll be back next week